All right, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? All right, good to see everyone. Feels kind of toasty here this morning, doesn't it? Feels a little warm. I don't know what's the deal. It's saying it's like 69 degrees, but it feels like 79 degrees in here. So anyways, hey, it's better to be nice, warm, toasty than shivering and freezing cold, right? Can I get an amen on that one? So no one complained. Hard to make church people happy, right? It's too cold. It's too hot. Anyways. Hey, this week's Thanksgiving. Anybody going to have some turkey? Anybody going to watch some football? All right. I'm looking forward more to the football than the turkey. But uh, I'm not a turkey guy. I'm a sides guy. Give me all the sides. Don't even give me the turkey. I'm good to go. I know it's not very American, but it is what it is. Anyways. um, This week, Thanksgiving, I thought, you know what? I rarely, rarely do this the week leading up to Thanksgiving, but I thought, hey, let's get our hearts right. Let's talk about uh, gratitude and being thankful. So we're going to be in Luke 17 today. I think it's one of the greatest passages in all of the Gospels on a heart that is completely wrecked by God's grace, completely transformed, and then has the proper response to the gift that's been given to them. So we're gonna look at the story of the 10 lepers in Luke 17. Wanna encourage you to pull out your notes. Um, If you don't have a a bulletin, a copy of the message notes, uh, that's okay, just pull out your Bible and we're gonna look at this story together. Um, We're gonna be talking about an attitude of gratitude. Luke 17, verses one to 19. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. In Luke chapter 17, there's a story about the 10 lepers who are healed of leprosy, but there's only one leper that is grateful enough to return and give thanks to Jesus. Only one out of 10 lepers returns. And literally, the story tells us this leper falls at the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine? falling at the feet of Jesus. And this leper is expressing his deep gratitude for all that Christ the Messiah has done for him. You know, we're familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, but what about the story of the Grateful Samaritan? It's a story that maybe doesn't get a lot of of press. The Good Samaritan, that Samaritan gets more press than the Grateful Samaritan. Luke 17, the context of the passage, it's always good to understand 
where is this story in relation to Jesus' ministry and, and, um, and where he's at, the timeline of his ministry? We know that Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem for his Passion Week, the last week of his earthly life, his earthly ministry. As he's making his way to Jerusalem, which is a, a very long trek, took many, many months, he passes between the regions of Galilee and Samaria. Now, we know that Jesus grew up in Samaria. That's where his hometown, Nazareth, was located. And Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem to ultimately make his way to the cross. And here's what he does. As he's traveling north, he takes time out of his busy schedule, knowing what's ahead of him, knowing that uh, the disciples would uh, betray him, they'd be scattered and, and uh, they would desert him. He would be abandoned, um, knowing that the cross was looming in the distance. All of that ahead of him, he takes time out of his schedule to have this encounter with the 10 lepers. I find it interesting when you look at the Gospels, Jesus is always taking time for people. That's a good lesson for us to remember. You know, sometimes we, we, we live such busy, hectic lives, don't we? It's the rat race. It's, to do, it's the to-do list. It's, it's the never-ending to-do list. Can I get an amen on that? It's never-ending, right? Chores are never done. Errands are, there's always more errands. There's always more responsibilities at home, at, at work. You know, if you've got kids, don't even go there, right? I mean, that's just a whole other story. You got kids. I mean, it's just a lot of work, right? But in the midst of our lives, we need to take time for people. People are not interruptions to your schedule. People were never an interruption to Jesus' ministry. They were his ministry. Jesus was, was, was passionate. He was consumed with meeting the needs and uh, the miracles and feeding and spiritually healing people. That, that's what his ministry was all about. In verse 12, it says that Jesus enters a certain village, and there's not a name given to this village, but it's there at this nameless village where Jesus meets the lepers. Now, let's talk about leprosy for a moment. Leprosy was a, a dreaded disease. You know, we complain, you know, I've been dealing with kind of a cold the last uh, week and a half, and I've complained a lot to my wife about it. Uh, trust me, right? But can you imagine having leprosy? I mean, leprosy was a dreaded disease. It was a terrible skin disease that, that put sores all over your body. I was watching the show uh, Naked and Afraid last night. It was all blurred up, so you can, I wasn't watching straight pornography, you know, Naked and Afraid, but it's all blurred up. And, uh, you know, some of you are like, Naked and Afraid, it's all blurred up. And uh, they, they, they got sores, like bites all over the body. I watched it for a few minutes and I turned it because I kind of got bored, you know. But, you, I mean, can you imagine leprosy, sores all over your body? The infection would spread. There was no access to antibiotics. You would lose the ability to feel pain. Can you imagine? Some of you that are in chronic pain, you're like, give that to me. I'm down, right? I'm down. But no, it's, you wouldn't be down because limbs would begin to rot and decay and, and, and body parts would begin to fall off. 
That, that's the, the, the dreaded disease of leprosy. Leprosy was such a contagious, horrific um, sin, not sin, disease, that lepers lived in total isolation. They lived in leper colonies. If you contracted leprosy, you were immediately banished from your village, your family, your friends, everyone. Lepers were outcasts. They were seen as the bottom rung of society. They were intentionally shunned. They were shamefully ridiculed and humiliated. Lepers were, religiously speaking, they were ceremonially unclean. And so when people would, would come near a leper, a leper would, would have to cry out, you know, unclean, unclean. And by you saying unclean, you're letting the world know that you're unclean with leprosy. Many thought leprosy was contagious, so, so people didn't show compassion. They didn't come to the assistance. They didn't try to help people that were uh, struggling and hurting and, and dying a very slow death. In verse 13, the story tells us that Jesus encounters these 10 lepers. And you can almost hear their weak and crackly voice as they said to Jesus, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. The amazing thing about the story is they recognized who he was. And yet there's a lot of people with creation and divine revelation. We've got the Bible. People don't recognize who Jesus is. I mean, the lepers knew who he was. Maybe they had heard about him and they encountered this Messiah they, they saw him with their very own eyes. And the story tells us that they stood at a distance. Lepers lived in colonies. They lived in isolation. They distanced themselves from people. But it says that from a distance, they had such courage and, and boldness. They lifted their voices. And Jesus spoke. And by his spoken word, he healed them. That's divine power. Why do we believe that Christianity is credible? Why do we believe that Christianity is legit? Stack up all major world religions and then compare it to Christianity. It's apples and oranges. Christianity, basically the message is there is a God, a creator. And he came to this, the brokenness of this world. He, he penetrated the lostness of our culture and, 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 and by grace we can encounter Christ. Jesus claimed to be God. No other religious leader ever made that claim. Not Muhammad, not Buddha. Buddha said, don't look to me, look to my dogma. Muhammad didn't claim to be God. Muhammad claimed to have these visions and he claimed to be the prophet. But, but you look at all the major world religions, only Christ made the claim, I am God. And not only did he make the claim, but he backed up his claim by dying on a cross and then walking out of the tomb and it's empty. It's one thing to, to make the claim that you're God. It's another thing to back it up. Now you say, well, you know, the New Testament and you know, it's just a fabrication of, of, of lies and it's just a, a fabrication of uh, storytelling. It, it, it didn't happen, it's not true. Here, here's the deal. Then, then you need to wrestle with the reality. Why did the disciples, all of them, they were all martyred for their faith. I mean, no one's gonna die for a lie. You're only gonna die for the truth. And if you know that it's a lie, you're gonna say, time out. Let me, let me show you where the body's at. 
All right, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here. I got to get back to the story. So, so the story tells us they stand at a distance. Jesus, by his spoken word, it shows us that he's God. He heals them. That's divine power. But the story tells us that as they went their way, they were cleansed. Did you notice that? They were not healed instantaneously. Jesus said, referring to the Mosaic law, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priest. It was a, it was a ceremonial uh, cleansing ritual thing, religious duty. You had to go to the priest and they would declare you uh, to, 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 be, uh, to be cleansed. What's amazing about the story is they were so busy fulfilling their religious duty They were jumping through the religious hoops, but they forgot to pause and give thanks to the one that's transformed them. You know, we become like that. We're so busy that we fail to give God thanks. We fail to recognize that that everything we have is by God's sheer grace. Everything you have, your skill sets, your family, your children, your your, your lifestyle, your, your, your job, your house, your shelter, clothing, food, everything is a gift from God. Luke 17, 15 to 16, let me read it again for you. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Here's point number one. Gratitude is the proper response to God's goodness and blessing in our lives. There's two important words to the story. Turned back. Turn back. I want you to circle that. Turn back. Ten lepers healed. Nine went their way. Only one came back to give thanks. He falls at Jesus' feet. He, He gives them thanks. This is a posture of humility. That's what gratitude is. Gratitude is Humility. Gratitude is is understanding who you are in the eyes of God. God's the giver. You're the receiver of all the benefits and all the blessings and all the gifts. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like when they realized that they were healed? Just stop and let's just enter into the story. Just put yourself into the feet of one of these lepers. Can you imagine at that moment, all 10, they received the word. As they were going, they were being cleansed. So as they were leaving, pain begins to subside. The sores all over their body begin to disappear. Maybe limbs that were like, kind of like barely hanging on by maybe some tendons they, they start being restored. You could visually see the, the arm or the leg or the fingers or toes come, kind of come back to life. The weight of shame is instantly gone. The lepers had a lot of things in common. They were all afflicted with leprosy, so they were united in their misery. They all believed that Jesus could heal them. They all demonstrated obedience and went to see the priest. And on top of that, they were all healed. But there's only one difference. Only one turned back to give thanks. Heard about a true story of a shipwreck that happened in Lake Michigan off the coast of Evanston, Illinois, many years ago. The students of Northwestern University came to the rescue. One student, Edward Spencer, personally saved the lives of 17 people that day. 
Years later, a reporter was writing a follow-up story on the event and went to interview the now elderly Spencer. When asked what was the one thing that stood out about the incident in his mind, Spencer replied, I remember that of the 17 people I saved that day, not one of them ever thanked me. Today, Edward Spencer is in a wheelchair as a result of saving all those people. When God does something in your life, do you turn back to give him praise? Are you mindful that he's the giver? Are you mindful that, that really he's, he's the ultimate gift? Or are you so busy? Are you like the other nine? Do you just kind of turn back and just kind of carry on your way and just do your thing? You know, we, have, we may have never been healed of leprosy, but if you're a follower of Christ, you have received a greater healing, a spiritual healing. You've received redemption. You've received forgiveness of your sins. You've received a grace that transforms you from the inside out. I mean, the glory of the gospel, the beauty of the cross is that when you die, you'll be with Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Your, your past is, has, is gone. Your future is filled with hope because of Christ. Here's point number two. Gratitude is a result of our focus in life. It's a result of our focus in life. Verse 15 says, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed. So like this one leper, his eyes were opened. And he focused on being healed. I think gratitude is a choice. Gratitude is not a matter of circumstances. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You ever wondered about God's will for your life? I asked you a question. Have you ever wondered about God's will for your life? Anybody? Like, who should I marry? Where should I live? What should be my career? You know, all these questions, should I buy this? Should I buy that? Right? We have all these questions. We're, we're always searching, right? What's God's will? What's God's will? Let me tell you what God's will is. And it's really clear. You don't have to take any, it's, all guesswork is gone. Here's God's will. Rejoice always. Easy? Not easy. I mean, to rejoice always? To have joy in, in all circumstances? That's not easy. Pray without ceasing. That means having, having a, a, a continual running dialogue conversation with God like you would have with a friend, with a best friend. Talk to God that way. And then give thanks in, circle that word, all. All circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for your life. So what do we know about God's will? Well, we know that most of God's will is revealed in God's word. I think we get so caught up in what's God's will for my life? It's found in the word of God. There's not specifics in the word of God about your specific life, but there are principles. And if we follow these principles, God will show us what his will is for our life. In 1636, amid the darkness of the 30 years war, there was a German pastor by the name of Martin Rinkhardt. And um, 
This pastor is said to have buried 5,000 of his parishioners, his church members, in one year. 5,000 in one year. That's an average of 15 people a day. His parish was ravaged by war, death, economic disaster. In the heart of that darkness, with the cries of fear outside his window, he sat down and wrote this table grace for his children. I want you to, I want you to listen to this. It's so powerful. He said, now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Here's a German pastor, here's a man who knew thanksgiving ultimately comes from the heart of God, comes from uh, the love of God, not from, from outward circumstances. Bible, the Bible tells us give thanks in all circumstances. In good circumstances, give thanks. Easier, it's easier to give thanks in good circumstances than bad circumstances. Bad circumstances come, it's easy to start questioning, doubting God's goodness, God's timing, God, what are you doing? Why, why me, why not them, right? When you're grateful, you see the goodness of God. You, you see the, the silver lining of, of, of the attribute of God in your life. You're content with what you have. You know, someone has said this, gratitude is the altitude that set, no, gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. I love that. Gratitude is, is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. D.L. Moody, he said, be careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. You know, what's the difference between the nine lepers who left and the one leper who turned back? What's the difference? Yes. Not only is gratitude a choice, but gratitude is a matter of perspective. I find it amazing when I see people who are battling the same exact things. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's a tragedy that's cascaded into their life. They're experiencing the same type of sorrow. One trial by fire causes a person to be bitter, to be resentful, to have a calloused heart, you know, like a big nasty callous on your toe. That person is just hard-hearted. You know, they're just angry with God. They shake their fist at God. Why me? God, what are you doing? I've lived for you. I've done this, I've done that. Why, why, why me? But then the other person, they're experiencing the same exact thing. But instead of being hard, their heart is soft. And their, their heart is, is pliable and, and moldable. And, and they have a, a sweet disposition. They have a sense of humility and, and, and grace about them. And they're, they have this reliance upon God. And they're, they're dependent upon the strength of God in their life. Gratitude is a choice that we make. It's not based on circumstances, but it's also a matter of perspective. Notice the story. As they went, so they weren't healed instantly, but as they were leaving, so they obviously had enough, you know, 
uh, maybe faith, right, or belief, or maybe the nine followed the one that really had a lot of faith, and they were like, okay, we're going to follow this guy, and they start going to show themselves to the priest. It says, as they were going, they were cleansed. That one leper had a perspective on the encounter that the nine didn't have. He saw with his eyes what Jesus had done for him. G.W. Target, in his essay, The Window, tells the story of two men confined to hospital beds in the same room. Both men were seriously ill, and though they were not allowed much diversion, no television, radio, or books, their friendship developed over months of conversation. They discovered every possible subject in which they both had interest or experience, from family to jobs to vacations, as well as much of their own personal histories. Neither man left his bed, but one was fortunate enough to be next to the window. As part of his treatment, he could sit up in bed for just an hour a day. At this time, he would describe the world outside to his roommate. In very descriptive terms, he would bring the outside world inside to his friend, describing to him the beautiful park he could see with its lake and the the many interesting people he saw spending their time there. His friend began to love those descriptions. After a particularly fascinating report, the, the one man began to think it was not fair that his friend got to see everything while he could see nothing. He was ashamed of his thoughts, but he had quite a bit of time to think and he couldn't get this out of his mind. Eventually, his thoughts began to take their effect on his health and he became even more ill with a disposition to match. One evening, his friend, who sometimes had difficulty with congestion and breathing, awoke with a fit of coughing and choking and and was unable to push the button for the nurse to come to his aid. The frustrated, sour man lay there, looking at the ceiling, listening to the struggle for life next to him, and doing nothing. The next morning, the day nurse came in to find the man by the window dead. After a proper interval, the man who was so eager to see out that window asked if he could be moved, and it was quickly done. As soon as the room was empty, the man struggled up on his elbow to look out the window and fill his spirit with the sights of the outside world. It was then that he discovered the window faced a blank wall. Gratitude is a matter of choice. It's also a matter of perspective. And it can be cultivated in spite of unpleasant circumstances. What's your perspective when suffering and trials and hardships hit your life? Can you walk through them with joy and gratitude and trust in a big God? The well-known Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, uh, said after being robbed, he said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. That's what it means to have the right perspective. Matthew Henry, he had the right perspective. He chose to be grateful and not to grumble. See, our attitude, our our gratitude is governed 
by our attitude. We choose our attitude. I read years ago, I don't know if it was by Chuck Swindoll or someone, but it's always stuck with me. Um, in life, you know, 10% of life happens to you. 90% of life is how you respond to things that happen to you. That's interesting. 10% of life happens to you, but your response makes up 90%. So how are you gonna respond to life when things come your way? Well, what's your focus gonna be? You know, gratitude is a matter of focus. Are you gonna focus on the negative or the positive? Are you gonna focus on the, the glass being half empty or half full? There's a berry in Africa that makes everything taste sweet for an hour. And I, I can't remember the name of the berry, but it, it makes everything taste sweet for an hour. Can you imagine that? I mean, man, eat that berry and then go eat all your veggies, right? You're good to go, right? All right, I appreciate the little golf humor, laugh. They appreciate that, you know. But um, gratitude is that berry. Gratitude makes everything sweet in life, does it not? When you're grateful to God, when you're thankful for all that you have, it just makes life so much more sweet. You know, it's so easy to become like the nine lepers, is it not? Let's just be honest. It's easy to, to just, you know, be kind of like them. We take blessings for granted. You know, we enjoy the gifts more than the giver. We're anxious to receive, but we're too careless to give thanks. We're, we're, we're quick to pray, but we're slow to praise. Quick to ask, but slow to worship God in, in response to what he's done for us. Look at verse 16. It says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. I love this. Jesus refers to him in verse 18 as a foreigner. In verse 16, he says he's a Samaritan. Now, you have to understand, Samaritans, Jews, they didn't get along. There was animosity. There was prejudice back in the day. And here's what Jesus does. In the midst of his busy schedule, in the midst of the cross ahead of him, he takes a kind of a, a different route, a detour. And he takes time to go to this nameless village to encounter these 10 lepers who are outcasts bottom rung of society. No one wants to be around him. And he takes his time to encounter them, to, to touch them with his grace, to transform their lives. He, he goes into this village to break down all barriers. And this is what the, the gospel does. It, it breaks down the gender barrier. It breaks down the, the, so, the socioeconomic barrier. It breaks down all racial barriers. But here's the point of the story. I think the point of the story is exactly what the passage tells us. Luke, at the end of verse 16, slips in this one little sentence. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus was making it so abundantly clear that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews. The gospel was for the Gentiles. The gospel is for the world. The gospel is for those who were hurting, those who were lost. He went to a Samaritan. I mean, that is just radical. That is so radical in the eyes of the Jews. I, I bet you they were completely shocked by that. Jesus is making the Samaritan the hero of the story, the grateful one, the one who was willing to come back 
and give thanks. Just like Jesus did with the good Samaritan. He highlighted a Samaritan above the priest and the Jew and the Levite who came and, and, uh, and bandaged and, and, and put this, this guy that was kind of thrown into the gutter, put him into a hotel and, 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 and paid for the charges. Truly amazing. Luke 17, 17 to 19. Then Jesus answered. Look at Jesus' response. We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Here's point three. God is aware of our ingratitude. God is aware of our ingratitude. Jesus said, I cleansed 10. Where are the rest? The nine, they're nowhere to be found. But there was one, humble disposition, heart filled with adoration and praise at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This man's sins were forgiven. The leper who came back, he was touched twice. Physically, he was touched. But more importantly, spiritually, he was touched. You know, maybe you might be wondering, well, why didn't the nine come back? Maybe one waited to see if the cure was real. Maybe, you know, they had doubts. Maybe one waited to see if it would last. Maybe one decided that he never really had leprosy to begin with. Maybe one gave glory to the priests. Jesus was aware that nine did not come back. God's aware when we're unthankful, when we're not content with what we have. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, we rob God by suppressing grateful emotions. How do we do that? When you, when you suppress your grateful emotions, we know that God's the giver, he's the source. When you refuse to verbalize that, you're robbing God of glory. He's the one that, that should have that glory in your life. You know, we have to live a life of gratitude towards God. We have so much to be thankful for, do we not? So much to be thankful for. I mean, that we were prodigals. We were prodigals and the father was waiting and watching. He was waiting for us to come home. We owe God such a massive debt of gratitude for what he's done in our lives. God has done so much for us. But the greatest thing that God has ever done for us, he gave us his son. That is the most costly gift ever. God went beyond the physical and he healed us spiritually. Psalm 103 tells us he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. I mean, that's grace. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. All of our sins have been forgiven. We can, if you know Christ, you're in a right standing relationship with God through Christ. And the question this morning is, have you turned back to give him thanks? Have you turned back like that one leper? Do you have an attitude of gratitude this morning? 
Let's pursue that in our lives this morning. Let's pursue that this week. Let's be grateful for all that Christ has done for us. Let's, let's pray.